0: I want to take a moment just to share, um, as I was thinking about what to share with you today, uh, my heart was turned toward Mark chapter 6. Um, this is the account of Jesus uh, walking on the water, and it's a, it's a great story, and I want to I read this story to you, and Jesus uh, calming their fear, and so this really gives us some guidance on how we can face our fears. So here's what it says, beginning in Mark 6, verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake He was about to pass by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gesenaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. It's a great story because we can all relate to fear. And the disciples were in a place that made them very fearful. And Jesus, though, is able to respond to their fear. And this is what we want to look at. In the opening verse, Jesus talks about sending his disciples into the boat to go ahead of him. And he dismisses the crowd. And then Jesus does something unusual. He goes up to a mountain, which really is not super unusual because he often went to the mountain to pray. And so the first thing we can see here in facing our fears is by following the example of Jesus. And Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus distanced himself from the disciples to spend time with the Father. And so I want to encourage us, you know, it's good to be with people, it's good to be alone. And so I want to encourage us to get alone with God, distance yourself from people, not because of fear, but because of faith. Distance yourself to get alone with God, to cry out to God, and to seek Him in prayer. When Jesus was praying and preparing for the most difficult time of his life, of giving his life on the cross, the Bible says he prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he addressed God as my Father. Three times he said, My Father, my Father, my Father. And it's a great way when we're facing difficult situations to cry out to God as our Father. People fear many things. Here are seven well-known fears that people have. One is the past. People are afraid of the past. Some people have fear of the future. Thirdly, mistakes that people have made. Four, some people are afraid of people. Five, sickness, hence the coronavirus or other illnesses. Six, loneliness. And seven, death. When I looked up the coronavirus, I was looking at some of the frequently asked questions that were out there. And some of those were what is the source of the virus? How does it spread? And how can I protect myself? I was reminded of one of the old Indiana Jones movies and said, Indiana Jones isn't afraid of anything until a snake shows up on the scene. Then we hear him mutter, I hate snakes. Snakes, why did it have to be snakes? Everyone is afraid of something. Even now, your greatest fear is probably creeping through your mind. But I think we have a good example in Jesus who was a man of prayer. And God wants us to be men and women of prayer. So I want to encourage us to turn to the Lord in prayer. Take our fears to the Lord in prayer. The, the songwriter said, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And the prophet Isaiah said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So to put our faith and trust in God, our heavenly Father. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What he's telling us is that God is going to protect our mind. He's going to keep all the junk out of our mind. He's going to keep all the garbage out of our mind. Why? Because the devil constantly comes at us and speaks lies, junk, garbage. And we know that garbage in, garbage out. And we need to be renewed in our mind. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. And how do we best renew our minds? Through the word of God and through prayer. And I would encourage you, as you open the scripture and read the scripture, to pray the scripture. Don't just read the scripture, but read the scripture and pray the scripture. I shared with you a number of weeks ago, actually a number of months ago, um, that what I have begun to do in my own personal life with my boys is I pray Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26, that God would bless them and keep them, that he would make his face shine upon them and be gracious to them, that he would turn his face toward them and give them peace. And those are powerful words because they're words of Scripture. And I believe God wants us to pray the Scripture. So as you pray, pray the Scripture. You know, it says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And say, God, I want to trust you with all my heart as I come to you in prayer. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. You are sovereign. You see what I don't see. You know what I don't know. Uh, The Bible clearly tells us that God's thoughts are far above our thoughts and his ways far above our ways, and we can trust him. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I also want to encourage us as we think about things that are true, as we think about whatever is noble and right and pure, that's going to give us the mindset that God wants us to have. As we think about uh, what's going on in our world, we don't live in denial. We don't deny what's happening but we look at it through the lens of scripture. We look at it through the lens of truth and that brings peace to our heart knowing that God is in control. I also wanna remind us that Jesus also prayed for us. Back in John 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus, it says, prayed for his disciples, but not just the ones who were living. He said, but for those who would yet believe on him. He prayed for us. And here's what he said in John 17, 9. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And so we see Jesus again, a man of prayer. And we can't overemphasize that enough, how the power of prayer will bring comfort to our hearts. Jesus, before he picked the 12 disciples, it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, he went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Here's what happens when we pray. Our thoughts are turned heavenward. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants to get our minds on eternal things and not the temporary things, not the earthly things. And our minds are lifted toward that. Uh, Like the hymn writer said, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In Colossians 3, 1, it says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. You see, it's in prayer that we begin to die to things that are killing us spiritually. I don't remember who said this, but I jotted it down because it came back to my memory. It said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Later on in Colossians chapter 3, Paul talks about putting things to death in our life. The only way we can do that, to put the the fears to death, to put sin to death in our life, is by focusing on the things that are above. Trusting God, our great Father. He tells us in 1 Peter 5-7, Casting all your care on Him because He cares for you. Remembering that we have a good shepherd who has given his life for the sheep. Uh, The psalmist saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that God is there and we can have steadfast confidence in the shepherd's care for us. Not even a hair of our head falls to the ground without his notice, the Bible says. Paul tells us we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So let's follow the example of Christ and let's be men and women of prayer seeking God in our lives. The second way we can face our fears is not only the example of Christ, but also by remembering the power of Christ. That Christ is all powerful. The Bible says that he has power over death, disease, and nature. In Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus healed a paralytic man. And later in the same chapter, he heals a woman who had a bleeding disorder for 12 years. And he told her, your faith has healed you. In chapter 9, verse 25 of Matthew, Jesus raises a girl from the dead. Later, he heals two blind men according to their faith. And then in Matthew 9, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man who couldn't even talk. So we need to be reminded of the power of God. And not only true in the Bible, but it's true in our own lives. And as I think back over the course of, of my own life, I've, I've witnessed the power of God. And in one, one dramatic way uh, for us, Pam and myself, was when our son Brandon was born, October 26, 1999. He was born a preemie. Many of you know that story, some of you don't, Um, and Pam's amniotic fluid had dropped. She had gone to the doctor October 25th, and he immediately put her in the hospital. Her blood pressure, too, uh, was high, and so they put her in the hospital, and on Tuesday, October 26th, uh, Brandon entered the world uh, five weeks early, But because of that, uh, he had many complications. His lungs were not fully developed and uh, he had to be placed on a ventilator for 10 days. Uh, He had six IVs uh, in his little body, his arms, his legs, even the top of his head had an IV placed in it. Um, He also had to be sedated. Uh, We weren't allowed to touch him because if we touched him, he was stimulated, he would move, he would use oxygen and they didn't like that. So we couldn't even touch him. And then, uh, after a few days, he was in the hospital. Of course, they had to keep checking his blood. And so, they said, we're going to have to give him a blood transfusion. And I remember we had to sign the paper um, that it was okay that we gave the authorization for him to have a blood transfusion so that if anything happened, uh, they were not liable. And we also remember waking up in the middle of the night, having a call from the hospital saying we had to turn his oxygen up on the, on the ventilator. and So it was touch and go, and up and down, and up and down. And then after 19 days, we were able to bring him home from the hospital on Sunday, November 14th, 1999. I'll never forget it. Uh, we brought him home that day, and it, it just was fitting that it happened on a Sunday, and uh, Sunday night, I went to church. We had an evening service and, and we had testimony time and I was able to to stand up that night and and share with our church family because many of them had been praying for Brandon uh, that God would touch him and heal him and and God did that, and we 're so thankful and But that uh, evening, as I stood up and I shared, I had the the hospital bracelet on because I had wore that for nineteen days and I had a pair of scissors, and I took those scissors out of my pocket, and I I cut that hospital band off, and and everybody rejoiced with us. And it was a wonderful thing, but that was the power of God. And so it's just good to be reminded of the power of Christ in our lives. Um, He can do far beyond what we can do. And the opportunities we had to be a witness to the hospital staff and people, as we went in and we prayed over Brandon, every time we were there, every day we went there, we prayed over him. And, and uh, we had uh, scriptures and Bible stories um, on cassette tape. Remember the cassette tapes? <laughs> we had cassette tapes and read Bible stories on there. And it was just an opportunity to be a witness. But we're so thankful for what God has done. And I'm sure some of you have witnessed the power of God in your lives too. Let's not forget the power of God Uh, The Bible says to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How do we get that power, though? How does that power happen? Well, I think that we can look at the book of Acts. It says that Stephen, in Acts 6, was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then it says a couple verses later that Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. I think it's his faith and I think it was the fact that he was filled with the Holy Spirit that gave him the power that he needed in his life. And so how are we going to have that power in our lives? I think as we take in the word of God, that we believe the word of God, that we're full of faith in what God has said in his word, and we walk according to his spirit, we will experience the power of God in our lives. God help us do that. Philippians 4.13, then we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And then the third thing I would say, the third way we can battle our fears is by experiencing the presence of Christ. The presence of Christ. He tells us here in our passage That he saw them straining at the oars. They weren't making much headway because of the wind, the windstorm that had come up. And Jesus walks out to them in the fourth watch of the night, which is around three to six in the morning. He goes, it says, He went to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. And so it was the presence of God that calmed their fear. Because they saw the power of God and Him walking on the water, power over nature. And that's our God. When Jesus stepped on the scene, everything changed. Their fear gave way to faith. You see, faith and fear do not mix. If you have too much fear, it will destroy your faith. If you have much faith, it will destroy your fears. So allow Christ to fill your heart with faith and then your fears will disappear. David the psalmist said it this way, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So where is the safest place on earth? There's one place that's the safest. Where is it? It's in the hands of God. That's the safest place on earth. If we were to look, though, earthly, where is the safest place on earth? I would have to say it is Fort Knox, Kentucky. Say, why do you say that? Well, because at Fort Knox, Kentucky is where the U.S. Bullion Depository is. And let me tell you about this safe place. It houses $137 billion worth of gold, 5,000 tons of precious metals behind a 22-ton door. The combination to that door has been decimated to 10 different staff people. Each person has a partial code. No one person knows the total code. The code has to be inserted one person at a time. Behind that door in the treasury is the safest place on earth. But even if you're crafty enough to break the code and get in, you wouldn't get far. You would have to get past armed guards, missile tanks, Apache helicopters, infrared surveillance, video cameras, and concrete reinforced granite walls. If you try to break in, you're going nowhere. Do we have that kind of safety in God? Yes, we do. Even more safe than that, we have safety because of the presence of God in our lives. He is our protector. So are there any safe places? Is there a safe place that protects our future? A place humanity cannot touch? Problems cannot reach? That is overseen by an ultimate protector? that doesn't allow any tragedy to come up against us? As the church, you're supposed to say yes. <laughs> well, where is it and how do we access it? Let me read that for you. It's actually found in First Peter, and I'll close with this passage. This is the safe place. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So there is a safe place. It's in the hands of God. Because it's in the hands of God, it's going to carry us to heaven. I'm thankful for this, that we are shielded by God's power. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can bring our fear to you. We can bring our anxiety to you. The Lord, no matter what this world throws at us, we know that we have a sovereign God who holds us in the palm of his hand, that nothing comes to us unless it's filtered through your sovereign fingers. And so, God, we rejoice in that. We thank you that we are shielded by the power of God. We thank you for the example of Jesus who distanced himself from the crowd from the disciples to spend time with his father god help us to do that each day to distance ourselves from the crowd to spend time with you and also to be reminded of your power and also to be reminded of your presence that you are Emmanuel God with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us, and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Father, we rejoice in our all-sufficient heavenly Father. We give you praise, honor, and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and have a great Lord's Day.